I'm Matt St. Jean here with Joe Howie talking Friars into the second week of the season now. Friars start 2-0. and And yeah, it was just a, do we need to look? I mean, it's 2-0, and right? A simple 2-0, and nothing to delve deeper into here. You know what? I think we're gonna, <laughs> when when I look back, it, when it's when it's mid December. Oh, we're going again! I had the loop button on. <laughs> that I was gonna say that's new. Normally that that ends by the time I start talking. But um, <laughs> no, uh, when once we're midway through December, I am certainly not looking back at the nitty gritties of week one. Other than that, we left week one two and zero. Oh. That that's as as detailed as I'd like to make it. Um, Thank you for listening and have a good night, everybody. Go Friars. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll, we'll play the outro. <laughs> no. Again. no, certainly uh, certainly an interesting week one here for Providence. Um, we wanna, do we want to just jump into that Ryder game in the opener? <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Um, Got to rip off the Band-Aid at some point. That was interesting. Yeah. That was, that was yeah. the type of game that's not good for your blood pressure. No, and it was like, it was just, it was a frustrating team. And I think it makes sense. That was one of two games that night in the Big East that were very, very close. It came down to the wire. I don't think it's a coincidence that both Providence and Georgetown struggled with five new starters. I think that's bound to happen. The Friars in the opener looked like a team that did not have an identity yet. And they also, I mean, Jared Bynum did not have his best game. And I think it showed when he didn't, they didn't have another guy ready to step up obviously that's game one but we'll see what happens as things develop but game one they didn't have somebody ready to fill that hole yeah uh, that i think is probably the biggest issue um you're asking guys like bryce hopkins who really hasn't been much of a role player at the d1 level yet guys like you know ed croswell who was a bench player last season you're asking guys that are unfamiliar with the starting role to really step into those shoes especially in the absence of bynum who really was a sneaky starter last season came off the bench but played starter minutes put up starter numbers um so without him you're really you're asking a, a younger crop of guys a newer crop of guys that haven't necessarily taken the floor together mind you for a significant period of time historically to step into those roles I think, you know, uh, another aspect going into this is I think the fan base collectively undervalued Ryder going into it. I know you and I shared some of our uh, some of our, you know, cautiously optimistic takes on our our preview show. Um, And as the the game was unfolding, I was like, wow, we even we like undervalued Ryder like to that point. I'm glad that we we had said that um, we should take the, the under here and, and yeah. take Ryder on the spread because it was they came ready to ready to play as we expected them to and I think we saw a defense that was not quite ready I think that's still absolutely the case yep. just missed the it's not it's not that these guys are bad defenders I think there might be a, we could talk about like what the ceiling is on this defense but it's not that they're bad defenders it's that they just don't know how to play together yet and they're not communicating and. Ryder only took 14 threes, they hit nine of them yeah. like that. Part of that's them coming ready to play. Part of that's them getting hot and confident early. Part of that's the Providence defense not executing the way it needed to in stretches. And I think they held them to 65 points too. So I, I think the defense overall did a good job, but it had its weaknesses. I, I think that's a great point. We did hold them to 65. Um, 
I will say if you give up nine threes to a conference opponent, they're they're sweeping you out of the building. Um, so thankfully it was Ryder. But I think if you look at individual performances, like Clifton Moore, Devin Carter, they had athletic individual defensive performances. Clifton Moore had four blocks. Carter, you know, was all over the place. They switched him onto uh, Murray Jr. and shut it's him down in the second st- half. He had five steals. Five steals. Jeez, I didn't even I, – I, I missed that stat looking at, <laughs> at the box sheet. So I think if you look individually across the box, sh- the, the box score, there's individual defensive statistics that you can pull out of it. But now you need to piece it together hol- holistically as a team because giving up nine threes to Ryder, okay, fine, you get the pass. We yeah. gave up another nine threes to Northeastern. Now I'm, I'm, it's only two games, so we're getting ahead of ourselves here. But th- this is a little bit of a trend here that opponent three-point shooting is something that we really need to start closing out on as a team. And I think that starts with defensive switching, you know, it, it getting beat on blow-bys and then the kick out. It's just there's some team defense here, some communication that needs to be tightened up, especially, you know, with the uptick in talent that we're going to see at the end of this week. Yeah, and it, I think it's mostly just switching on the outside. That's yeah. that's probably the biggest thing because the interior defense has mostly been solid. I think yeah. rebounding was a little bit of a concern in that game too. Ryder had eleven offensive rebounds, which you just it's can't give a team like that more opportunities to hang around. Um, yeah, I mean, and that was that was really it. It was Ryder hit big shots and got a couple second chance looks defensively other than that i think it was good it was really the offense only putting up 66 points and oh boy was the shooting all over the place (laughs) this looked like um trying to think of a funny comparison did you play cyo matt i did not so growing up i played cyo Right. It's basically it's youth basketball. And mm-hmm. every year there was an all star game and they picked the, the highest scorers of each team and kind of threw them out on the floor. And every time someone got the ball, they chucked it. It was from three. It was from under the rim. But the, a lot of the shots missed. It looked like a CYO all star game where, you know, everyone knows that they're the best and they come in and they just start chucking shots up wherever they want. Obviously, these aren't CYO players. They're Division One college athletes. And they're not the best, you know, they, they've come here for a reason, but it, it just, it didn't look like a well-oiled machine like last year's team. And I, I don't want to use last year's team as a benchmark, but that's really all we have to compare them to is yeah. that's what you that's what you left off on. And this is what you're coming into. Obviously, you know, we watched game two and there was some improvements, but the game one offensive efficiency and the cohesion as a team just was not there. No, and it's also, I mean, the free throws are probably the biggest. Anytime you have 43 free throw attempts in a game, not only should you be winning, you should be winning by a lot. Yeah. They, they left 17 points out there on free throws. You make half of them, literally like half of them. And this is going to be just, I don't know, a 10 a point game, game at the end. Yeah, yeah. totally different ball game. Uh, they could not shoot threes either, just four of 19 from deep. And I think a lot of that was Bynum. Locke looked pretty good. I mean, he was only two for eight, so maybe not as good as I remembered. He's the only guy that hit multiple, though. Bottom 0 for 4 from deep, and then 1 of 5 from inside the arc. So he was just 1 of 9 from the floor. Um, shoot The shooting just all around. Unless it was close to the rim, it was not there. Yeah, it didn't. <clears throat> I, I, I don't know what, what to attribute that to. I, I think 
part of it is probably opening night jitters. You know, you're coming out into a 90% full arena. This is the first time you're playing together. I, I think guys get in their own heads. Um, I will say Bryce Hopkins looked good in the opener. Um, yeah. You know, he, sorry, go ahead. No, you go. You know, from our preseason previews, you know, from my article that I was shaky on him coming into the season. I didn't know what a Kentucky bench player was going to do with, you know, these new shoes to fill. I think he did pretty well. Um, I'll tip my hat. I think it shows that Cooley trusts him a lot. He played 30 plus minutes in both outings. You know, that's impressive. He looked pretty good. Yeah. And I mean, I think he I think he has the most minutes played. Yeah, he leads the team in minutes played. Which I think a lot, like part of that is just due to his position. Nobody else does what he does, really. Um, but yeah, it's, it's the first half of that Ryder game on its own. He nearly set a new career high for minutes played. Oh my god! So that that gives you an idea for how he, he played. I think 16 minutes in the first half, and his career high for minutes played was 17. Wow. Yeah. So that that tells you what his usage was at Kentucky, and now what you're looking at at Providence. He's Averaging 34 and a half minutes a night right now, more than wow. double what he had in a, his best game at Kentucky. So a bigger Impressive. role there. I, I was, I think he needs to learn how to use his body a little bit more. Oh yeah. I think, I think that's one of the, one of my kind of, and we'll talk about the second game in a minute here. One of my causes for concern with Hopkins is just, he does not look as physically dominant against some of these guys that I think you would hope for. And when you're looking at Big East play, that's where that starts to maybe become a factor. I don't know if we've seen the three-point shot from him either. Yeah, and I, I think, yeah. And I think that's where my my overall biggest concern with this team, which we're not going to have this answered probably until the game is at Mohegan Sun. At least we're not even going to start to get an idea of what the answer is. It's a lot of talent. This team is, has players that are good at a lot of things. I don't know what group of five players you can put on the floor that maximizes being great at a lot of things at the same time. It's just making the puzzle pieces fit together. Yeah. Um, to your point on Hopkins and his physicality, for a guy of his um, girth, I would like to see him start bullying people in the paint. And you're playing you're playing the Riders and the Northeasterns of the world. Like, those are teams that are not necessarily physically dominant. If anything, I'd say both teams really had their way with us with the jump shooting. So they didn't really necessarily own the paint. And with the, the Ryder, size... Ryder shot 34% inside the arc. <laughs> yeah, so there you go. With with the size that we have on the inside, you know, I think Clifton Moore did a good job in the paint. I think Ed Croswell did a good job in the paint. I think if you want that trifecta, you need to get Hopkins playing dirty down low. I mean, Horkler wasn't afraid to do it. Alpha Diallo certainly wasn't afraid to do it. If you're going to play this hybrid 3-4 spot, you need to be physical. I think one other thing, too, and this could just be me. I don't know if you notice it, too. Hopkins drops a ton of passes when he's under the rim and it was driving me nuts because there was one point on, (laughs) there was one point in the game where I was definitely uh, a 24 ounce tall boy and half deep. And they (laughs) gave him another pass under the rim that he dropped. And it was one of those, it was one of those sequences where it's like Devin Carter had the ball. Then he passed it to Bynum and then Bynum passed it to Hopkins. I don't know the order, but there were two or three passes and Hopkins had it went for the power dribble and dropped it. And I was like, you don't need to do that. 
And, and then he did it again against Northeastern. So I just, I think ball security too is, is something with him that I'd like to see improve, especially if you're going to be the guy that's getting those, you know, those dump offs for the, the, the nice lay in or the dunk or something like that. Yeah. I mean, he looks like a guy that has not played a ton of competitive college basketball and is still finding his groove. So yeah. we're first week. We're not going to raise any alarms just yet on that. Friars obviously hang on late. Ryder with a late late run there, a late push, <laughs> turnover, and that Ryder gets the ball with a chance to to go ahead there and get the last shot. And what the, the guy slipped, turned the ball over, and that was the ball game. That was our headline there. It says the luck continues. I do believe the Friars are eighth in Ken Palm's luck metric right now. So it starts. I, I love it. I love it. We're starting early. We are starting so early. It, so it begins. Yeah. All right, let's jump ahead here. Game number two. Much, much better against Northeastern. This is the Friars team we were looking for uh, in this game. Not in the first half. No. Uh, the Friars had, Friars had a lead there at the end of the first half. Not a big one. Going to the second half, Northeastern actually takes a 41-40 lead. And the Friars just basically ran them out of the building from then on. 89-65 to was the final. In this one, a lot of guys with points. The biggest story of this one is probably Jared Bynum, 21 points. Looks like he was back in his bag. Yeah. Um, this, was, this was prime Bynum from last season. He flirted with a double-double, had uh, 21 points, 9 assists. Um he was he was back to Superman Bynum that Ed Cooley called him in the post game, um, and this is what you need. You know, I, I think the play of Jared Bynum and the offensive performance of the team go hand in hand, and and it the the proof is in the pudding. Night one, Bynum doesn't have a great game. The offense sucks. Night two, Bynum has a great game, dishes nine assists. We put up eighty nine points. Mm-hmm. I, I those that's not a coincidence. That is no cause A cause B. Um, so it, it, if this team is going to be successful going forward, Jared Bynum really needs to be on. Um, I, I also think too, and this is someone we haven't mentioned yet, but he's really stuck out to me. The play of Clifton Moore has been up to him next has been such a nice surprise. I, yeah. there was no preseason hype around him. There was really no off season hype around him. He was kind of just an extra add on transfer onto the crop of like, you know, Hopkins Carter. He was yeah. like, Oh, Clifton Moore's coming from LaSalle, and he has been a pleasant surprise. Yeah, and honestly, from some of the stuff we heard in the scrimmages, in the exhibitions there, I was wondering if he might end up being third on the depth chart behind Rafael Castro. Yeah. Instead, and I want to uh, talk about this with you, I think he has an argument to be in the starting lineup. Um, it's He's been able to hit the three ball, which is not something he's really done with any consistency at any of his previous locations, which is huge. This team, I mean, he can kind of help fill the gap of Noah Horkler there. Yep. And I look at when I look at this lineup, one of the things that jumps out to me is a possibility, and I think you're going to like this once I explain. I think it. I think I know where you're going with it, but yeah, we're going to have Clifton Moore in that starting lineup, and you go Bynum, Locke, Hopkins, Moore, Croswell. Yep. And your guy off the bench is going to be Devin Carter. He's going to be your energy guy in a very similar way to the way Bynum was. He's not. He's not the shooter. Nope. But as we saw with that, those dunks and that alley-oop last game, he is freakishly athletic. If you haven't yeah. seen his high school highlight tape, go do that right now and then come back because there's some crazy dunks in there. 
What, what, what do you think of that as a possible possible way to, to do this? So before when you said this was probably like three or four minutes ago, you said we don't have that set five guys that are going to be out there that make a difference five. In my head, I went Bynum, Locke, Hopkins, Moore, Croswell. That's what that's where my thoughts went immediately. And then hearing you just say that now kind of confirmed everything I've been thinking. And to your point about Clifton Moore being a starter, on opening that, I turned to my brother, Jack, and I was like, Clifton Moore is going to start by December because he's just been so good. And you can tell when he's on the court, he doesn't have the the dominance and attention that Nate Watson had in the paint, but there's just something different about the way he plays where it's like you can't leave him open in the paint, but if he if he mm-hmm. sneaks outside the three-point arc, you can't let him you can't let him do that either. He's just no. He's it's like no Horkler and Nate had a baby and you have Clifton Moore. That's that's where yeah. he comes from. And hope hopefully he can keep shooting like this. He hasn't done that in the past. So if he's able to do that this year, that's a that is a bonus from what we've seen on him. The three yeah. point shooting in general hasn't been great. Uh, Bottom is just two for seven. Locke is four for 15. Those are probably your two big and Hopkins just one for three. I think a lot of that is also they're establishing a rhythm here. So mm-hmm. I, I want to see how that ages. Another guy I, I just want to mention briefly is Alan Breed. I think is maybe the more, one of the more interesting guys on the team right now. I think his defense has been really solid. He's only yeah. taken two shots and he made both of them. That's he's just that that's all yeah. he's done. He's, at, he's after one the second shot game. game. Yeah, and it make it's. I look at that, and it's. I'm curious because I feel like this offense needs another shooter, and Breed looked. I mean, he's making both shots, but I'd like to see him get engaged a little bit more in the offensive end. In general, the offense looks like everybody's looking for somebody else to take a shot a lot of the time. Yeah, uh, I kind of got that sense too. Especially, I know we're talking about the Northeastern game, but on opening night there was a lot of passing. And that turned into a couple of turnovers because it, ju- it just doesn't look like anyone's confident with the ball. Fast forward Saturday night, it looked a little bit different. Um, I think Bynum playing with a, a full head of steam downhill helps that. Uh, I yeah. think case in point is that corner Noah Lock three that put us up 10 in the second half uh, as a part of an 11-0 run. I think that is like the, the, the perfect example of like, you need Bynum to be on in order for guys to get shots. Because if that's Alan Breed, if that's Jaden Pierre coming up the court with the ball, Noah Locke doesn't get that opportunity. Um, But taking a step back to what you said, yeah, you don't have with Alan Breed, you don't really have much to go off of from last season. He was kind of a, he was a pretend starter while Bynum was hurt. And then when AJ Reeves was hurt going back a year prior, he had a solid defensive freshman year, but again, like Duke and Reeves had all the scoring. So and he had that, he had that one game against Villanova where he had what? 18 points. Yeah. He had a double, double 18 and 10, I think. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah. And we haven't seen much from him as a scorer outside of that. I think I, yeah, I'd like to see, I mean, maybe, maybe he just knows he's not a shooter and that's why he's not shooting as much. He's picking his spots, but I think this offense needs one other guard who can reliably hit shots. I am not sold that it is Devin Carter based on his history either. He he's a lot of things, but a shooter isn't one of them. He's basically a small forward in disguise. <laughs> yeah. I was gonna say, I was gonna say he's not a shooter. I'm happy you said that because he, he he starts at the three, but he's not the he doesn't have the the typical build of a three, but that's how he plays. No, it's so here here's something for you. Noah Locke attempted a dunk 
in that game against Northeastern, I believe. I saw your that, tweet. I know what you're going to say. Yeah, that would have been his second dunk ever in college. Devin Carter had two dunks in the game, and I think he, I don't know how many dunks he's averaging right now, but it feels like he's averaging two a game. Those guys are the same height. They're listed at the same height. Jeez. And and that's when you watch, like, I think I've said, I don't know if I've said it on here or just to you, but when you watch them, Noah Locke looks like a 6'3 guy that plays like a 6'1. Carter yeah. is 6'3, but he plays like he's 6'5. Yeah, that's, you have, I've heard you say that before. Yeah, so it's just figuring out how to use those guys. Yeah. it's. it's I think it's a fun group of players, at least. It's, it's different. It's yeah. something that we certainly haven't seen before. You get you when you watch this team, you get the sense that there is a lot of raw talent on this roster, and I think mm-hmm. that's a lot of that's a lot of, that's been a lot of the narrative coming into the season. That this is that this roster is filled with raw talent. I think the challenge now is cultivating this talent in a way where they play as one cohesive unit. And they mm-hmm. play efficiently through conference play because we've seen Cooley rosters with raw talent that are burning dumpster fires in Big East play. I think of the COVID year 2020-2021 team. I mean, David Duke is a role player on the Brooklyn Nets right now. We, yeah. Nate Watson is very good. AJ Reeves is very good. And that He's was your... the, the, the G League Celtics team. Right. Like the, the, that was a team with talent, but... They didn't necessarily play together. There were times when it was the David Duke show. There were times when it was the Nate Watson show. There were times when it was the AJ Reeves show, but it was never all three at once. And I think yeah. the times when it was all three at once, you saw what looked to be a special team. I think of that Xavier game when Noah Horkler went off. So yeah. fast forward now to this year, you know, Hopkins has been consistent. Clifton Moore has been consistent. I think otherwise you need to find someone outside of Noah Locke chipping in 10 to 13 points a game and Jared Bynum, you know, I think you need that fifth piece. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what they're trying to figure out here. They don't have a ton of time to do it. The first real game, like first tough opponent comes on Saturday. They'll get Miami in the basketball hall of fame tip off at Mohegan sun. That'll be four o'clock on ESPN news on Saturday. They'll play Maryland or St. Louis at 1 or 3.30 on Sunday. They got one more game before then. That is tomorrow night, or if you're listening to this on Tuesday, tonight, 5 o'clock at the Amp on FS2 against Ed Cooley's alma mater, Stonehill. Stonehill's first year at D1, the Skyhawks lost 85-54 to to UConn already. So they've already lost to one of these Big East teams. Just briefly here, so we're going to wrap up. In a sentence or two, what are you looking for in this game? Stonehill is somewhere in the 300s on Ken Palm. I don't even remember the number. It was so low. We are they're currently 344. That's what it was. So they're 344. We're 61. Um, don't give me a heart attack. That's 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 my sentence. Is don't give me a heart attack and cover the spread. Yeah. Well, you heard it there from Joe Howie. I also while we're talking about the amp. As we're wrapping up here, I just want to give a shout out to the fans for absolutely packing it for the first two games. It's been yeah. incredible to see that. Uh, I know when we were freshmen, I remember going to the first game of the year, showing up like 30 minutes before tip, going down to the front of the student section and sitting in the front row. Yeah. So the times have changed. Yeah. Um, 
No, great point, Matt. I wrote about this in my piece uh, on House Enterprise, but I was, you know, you and I were active members of the Friar Fanatics Club. I was president senior year. It took an arm and a leg to get students there in the non-conference. I mean, the only game that we really didn't have to put any effort into was the URI bi-yearly visit. Um, that to, to see the risers on the opposite end of the court overflowing into the nosebleeds where, you know, regular season ticket holders sit. That's impressive. That's yeah. really impressive. And it's, it's a testament to what the athletic department has done, but also what the team has done. Like Providence basketball is on the map now. And <laughs> if you told me two years ago that we were going to be selling out student tickets to, for over 2000 heads, for a Northeastern night game, uh, 8 p.m. game on a Saturday night in early November, I would have told you you were nuts, and they did it. So it's inc- that's impressive. Very, very impressive. That's going to do it for us in this episode. We're keeping it quick. Joe, before we go, we have merch available. Do you want to let people know where they can find it? Yes. So if you head over to the House Enterprise website and hit the merch tab, you will see the Flex has its own shop of merchandise. Um it's been two years in the making, so we're we're final. We finally have our logo on some t-shirts, some some hoodies, some vests, and hats for you guys. Uh, yeah. The holidays are coming up, so you know if you're an avid Flex listener, go and, and get your t-shirt, get your family gifts. Um, we'll 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 promote that on Twitter. We'll put some links out there, but definitely yeah, be that, sure to take a look at that store. Yeah, if that link are, isn't already in the link tree that we have, we'll have to make sure to to throw it in there so you guys can go. Go get that stuff. Um, I think yeah, that's going to wrap it up for us here. Go buy some merch. Support us. We always appreciate that. Use that SeatGeek code that you see down at the bottom too. That'll that'll give us a little <laughs> bit of money. So definitely go do that. Friars playing tomorrow, 5 o'clock against Stoughton Hill. Big game, Joe. Got to win this one. Got to get to 3-0. and Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll be talking to you later for Joe Howie. I am Matt St. Jean, and uh, thank you very much for listening. Go Friars.